out this morning. Uh, appreciate the opportunity to be here to worship with you. The invitation, I know, I know the invitation is always open, and we take advantage of it as, as often as we can. Uh, <clears throat> today's Super Bowl Sunday, and when you am I doing something wrong? There we go. Um, you know, there are many people that gear their whole lives towards Super Bowl Sunday to reach that pinnacle of existence and fulfillment. And then there are many millions of people that live vicariously through, and the Super Bowl is the top of their year. It's bigger than Christmas or, or anything. But uh, I tell you what, folks, uh, and some of you have heard me say this before, uh, we get to have a Super Bowl every Sunday. How blessed are we in that? Uh, the uh, study of the morning, I wanted to uh, talk about choices and uh, looking for love in all the wrong places. And if that brings a song to your mind and you've got a, an earworm, I'm sorry. Uh, it is what it is. But, uh, you know, uh, initially put this study together because... We have three, three kids that are all grown and out of the house now, but when they were younger, we tried to uh, steer them uh, when they got of an age to where they were, they didn't, the uh, girl didn't think that boys stank and, and the boys didn't think the girls stank, that, and they had that interest start to flower. Uh, we tried to steer them towards young folks that were good that honored God, that feared God, that attended the assembly. assembly. And I'm sure that, that y'all are familiar with that. Y'all have probably had that done to you. And, and the reason that happens is because, you know, we want to give our kids and our grandkids the best chance for a godly life. And to have a godly life, you, you know, you need to surround your people with godly people. Uh, now, it doesn't always work out that way, okay? Uh, you know, uh, sometimes it works out good, sometimes it works out bad, but you have a gr much greater chance uh, when you uh, are partnered with somebody that's a fellow believer. So, making that statement, um, when you're putting these studies together, you know you guys and that do this, sometimes you go off on these worm trails, these rabbit trails, and you just kind of get sidetracked. And I'm going to tell you, this, this lesson developed into something else that was uh, just uh, encompassed everything, it encompassed all of us, you know, and what we deal with. It's just not about uh, the kids. Choices, looking for love in all the wrong places. There's uh, one of my favorite authors, uh, pen the, the uh, statement, if I find in myself a desire which is no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. Uh, but you know, the scripture says it better than any man can pen. There in Ecclesiastes 3 and 11, it says, He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he hath set the world in their heart so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. And the strange thing about that, that, that 
word that is translated world is uh, in the uh, Hebrew, that word, word world meant everlasting or the eternity. And you know, those of you who are uh, historians, you know that through the history of man, mankind has tried to, they've had a desire to find out what's next, what comes after this life. And, and mankind has tried to worship and, uh, uh, and make up gods and idols uh, to grant them passage into the next life. So that, that's, that's been there since mankind's walked the earth, uh, that desire for the next uh, life. I want to ask you something. Have you ever known anybody like this? Perhaps you've even been a person like this. There in Proverbs chapter 23, starting there in verse 31, Look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth its color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. At the last it biteth like a serpent, and stingeth like an adder. Thine eyes shall behold strange women, and thy heart shall utter perverse things. Yea, Thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or as he that lieth upon the top of the mast. They have stricken me, shalt thou say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. When shall I awake? I will seek it yet again. Now, you know what this is talking about. It's talking about a drunkard. A drunkard. I'm not talking about somebody that has a glass of wine with dinner. This is a drunkard. And you know that people that are involved in this at this level, they will get hammered and lose themselves and fall, fall around and do things they don't remember. And they will be hung over the next day or two days. And what happens? They seek it yet again. Now, I've been blessed with the opportunity to study with a lot of people that struggle with alcohol and drugs, okay? And, and the thing about that is, is there's a fella that was very successful in life. He was a successful stockbroker and made a lot of money. Uh, but it just wasn't enough for him. It didn't fulfill his life. So he sought other things and, and, and was, you know, started dabbling in these different types of designer uh, pharmaceuticals. And before long, he lost his wife. He lost his kids. He lost his fortune. He lost his license to do what he was doing. And guess what? He moved back home to the family farm. His dad died. He took over the family farm. And occasionally I get to study with this gentleman now. Now this gentleman has a big old black dog. And I've told this individual that I will not study with him when he's been drinking. You're going to be sober when we study the Bible. <clears throat> well, he, he does that, okay? But he's got this dog, and he was telling me, you know that dog, you know sometimes when I get, get ready to start drinking, I'll put a bowl down there and I will give that dog some of what I'm drinking. He said, and I'll tell you what, one night he just, that dog had too much to drink. 
He said, you know what that dog does now when I try to give him something to drink? He starts shaking, just shaking all over and runs. Now I'm going to ask you something. Why will a dog do that but a man won't? Is that not crazy? The void in all of us. Now, every person here that is of the age of accountability has experienced this at one time or another. A void, an emptiness. There's something missing inside of us. And I want to talk a little bit about that this morning. Why? Where does that come from? You know, in the beginning, there in Genesis chapter 1 and 27, it said, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Did you know that we, were, we are the only part of creation that God breathed into? We are special. We are a special part of his creation. Created in the image of And there in verse in chapter 1 and 31 it said God saw everything that he had made had made and behold it was very good very good Now take a look around at mankind now Is it very good He gave man a purpose in life and a command There in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15 and the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in that day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. He gave a command, and he gave a purpose to man. There in Genesis chapter 3 and 4, the serpent arrived and tempted Eve. We're familiar with this story. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God hath known that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Now you know, as a kid, I thought, when she took that apple, what was she thinking? What was Adam thinking when he took that apple from her? Or that fruit? I mean, you're in the presence of God. How can, you, how can you do that? Is that not just, man, that is stupid, ain't it? Brothers and sisters, the devil offers us something better all the time. Just like Eve was offered. He offers us something extra. Something extra to enjoy. To empower us. To make us stand higher. That's what he offers just like he did Eve. There in verse 6, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat, trusting unto her own heart, and her own wants, and her own desires. <clears throat> and sin and death entered the world. 
Unto the woman the Lord said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow at thy conception, and sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face thou shalt eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it was thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. You see, we face that every day. We face that offer from the world, these offers to fulfill ourselves with things that are not godly. <clears throat> Romans 5 and 12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Now I want to ask you, that offer that Satan uh, offered Eve, did that turn out to be true? Who was, true, who, who was telling the truth in the end? Well, of course, God was. And it's the same with us today. When Satan tempts us and offers us extra things that are uh, more than what God commanded. This is another thing that, that's really troubling to me about all this, okay? Because there are many people, I'll, I'll just tell you this, my uncle Joe Dukes made a statement in one of his sermons, one of the last sermons he gave before he passed. And he knew he was fixing to pass because he had cancer. I'll tell you, and he had it bad. <clears throat> he said, some of the most miserable people that I know are Christians. That sounds kind of strange, don't it? What he meant by that was this. Christians who try to walk in the world and with God at the same time. Because they're torn. They come to church on Sunday morning, maybe come on Sunday evening, and maybe even on Wednesday, and do good deeds, but they've got certain things that they hold on to because they enjoy them. And they're conflicted. And they're in turmoil. I know. I've been there. Many of you have been there too. <clears throat> Isaiah 59 and 2 says, But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid His face from you, that He will not hear. And I cannot think of how many prayers I uttered when in a state of trying to walk two, two paths instead of just God's path. How many thousands, tens of thousands of prayers that I uttered that never got past the ceiling. And you say, well, preacher, that's, that's the Old Testament. Brothers and sisters, the Scriptures are harmonic. They agree. They're in, <clears throat> they're in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and His ears are, upon, are open unto their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Does that concern you? It concerns me. And I, I, I fast-forwarded past that little picture there uh, just as an illustration. 
Uh, that's not my truck, but I had one really close that looked kind of like it, and that's what it looked like after I crashed. But I'm going to tell you something. In a part of my life, when I was not much older than you, you college, kid, college men and women, a guy ran a stop sign and hit me. And it chunked me out of that truck, and I had enough time as I was above that truck, it was out there by Pantex. And I saw that truck rolling underneath me, and I had just enough time to say, Dear God, please forgive me of my sins. And I landed in a wheat field and woke up, my right leg next to my head. And I'm going to tell you something, I was so happy to be alive. And I'm going to tell you why. Because I had an idea in my head that I could live mostly godly, but I could hold on to this one thing that I really enjoyed that I knew was not, was not part of His will. And that one thing was on the weekends, I liked to go out with my friends that were not members of the church. I'd like to go out with them and get sloppy. Okay? And knowing that all the prayers that I said before I went to sleep at night, dear God, please forgive me of my sins, knowing fully well that I was going to do that again, that is not repentance. And God did not hear those prayers. Because I was fully committed to doing that. I had not changed. <clears throat> this is what the world is telling us, folks. It's what it's telling our kids. It's what it's telling our grandkids. Okay? Just trust in your heart. You can't go wrong if you trust your heart. It's all going to work out. Just follow your heart. Ralph Waldo Emerson. Many of you literary people know this guy. He's pretty famous. He said, trust thyself, every heart vibrates with that iron string. Independence. I get in trouble for this. Uh, Beyonce. I pronounce that wrong a lot. She said, I don't have to prove anything to anyone. I only have to follow my heart and concentrate on what I want to say to the world. I run my world. How many times did I say that to my parents? This is my life. Mom, how many times did I say Yeah, I said it a bunch. This is my life. Carl Jung, one of the so-called pillars of psychology, your vision will become clear only when you look into your heart. Who likes, who looks outside dreams, who looks inside awakens. Trust yourself. That's what the world's telling us. George Michael, another famous entertainer. You'll never find peace of mind until you listen to your heart. I'm telling you folks, you can get on the internet and download thousands of these just from famous people. Trust yourself. Princess Diana, only do what your heart tells you. And my favorite, Celine Dion. If you follow your dreams, it means you follow your heart. If you do follow your heart, I don't think you can go wrong. She didn't know me. She doesn't know me. Because I'm going to tell you something. Every time I followed my own heart, it has ended in disaster. Disaster. 
Not only for me, but for everybody around me. Family, friends, follow your own heart. That's what the world is teaching our kids, teaching us. This is what the Scripture says about that. This is what the Word of God says about that. Jeremiah 17 and 9, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And I tell you, King David was so concerned that his heart was not in tune with God. He wanted to keep his heart in tune with God because he had fallen. He, he, had, he had messed up bad. And he didn't want to do that again. And this was his prayer to God. In Psalms 26 and 2, Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart. Have you ever said that prayer to God? God, try me. Test me. That is a hard, hard prayer to say, ain't it? Because if that's said in earnesty, you better believe the Lord's going to deliver. I want to take a look in Scripture, some scriptural examples of, of following your own heart. King Solomon, the second wisest man that ever walked the earth, saved Christ. 1 Kings 4 and 29, And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding exceeding much, and largeness of heart, even as the sand that is on the seashore. And this is what King Solomon said there in Ecclesiastes 2 and 1. I said in my heart, Go to now, I will prove thee with mirth. Therefore enjoy pleasure, and behold, this also is vanity. I said of laughter it is mad, and of mirth what doeth it? I sought in my heart to give myself unto wine, yet acquainting my heart with wisdom and to lay hold of folly. Uh, he, he didn't just have a couple of drinks of wine. He gave himself to wine. The wisest man in the world. King Solomon, he did whatever he wanted. Whatever he desired, he filled himself with it. He had wealth beyond imagination, possessions, pleasure. He had wives and concubines. I think he had over a thousand, if I remember correctly. Servants of all manner, entertainers, food servers. He had it all. And this is what he said about all that. After he had experienced all that, this is what he says. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought and on the labor that I had labored to do. And behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. Have you ever stepped back and take a look at people that just, man, they're really, they're really successful in life, and they have a bunch of stuff, not like Solomon, but a bunch of stuff, and they are so unhappy when they reach those earthly goals, there's nothing less to, left to achieve and that hole is still there. It's still there. So they move on to something else. <clears throat> I'd like you to consider this for just a second. 
There in Deuteronomy 28 and 66. And thy life shall hang in doubt before thee, and thou shalt fear day and night, and thou shalt have none assurance of thy life. In the morning thou shalt say, Would God it were even, and at even thou shalt say, Would God it were morning, for the fear of thine heart, wherewith thou shalt fear, and for the sight of thine eyes, which thou shalt see. <clears throat> in the morning, when you wake up, you wish the day was over. And in the evening, when you go to bed, you wish the night was over. Basically, you just wish life was over. You know, this does not only happen to people in the world. It happens to some of our brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, we've got a brother... Well, it's not my place to say. I'm not the judge of who is in the church and who ain't. That's God's place. But we have a dear, dear... Uh, I know that he was a brother in Christ for sure. Or, I, well, I think he was. Uh, Paul Kevin, you know this guy. I believe you was roommates with him back in college. You know... Wonderful individual, very giving uh, of his time and his money and that type of stuff. But you know, because of uh, taking, uh, latching on to an offer that was outside of Christ, that was from Satan back in college, he latched on to that offer. Satan was offering more. And he took that. And I, he did not think that that was going to lead him away from the church. I've, I've had lengthy talks with him. I tell you, and he's been gone for 20-something years since he's been, been in, in the assembly. He's got a ton of money. Very successful. Very successful monetarily. But... He wakes up in the morning and he takes a pill to get through the day. And then during the day, he takes another pill to get him a little further on. And then at night, when he gets home, he smokes some weed to relax. But hey, man, it's okay. It's pharmaceutical, right? And then at night, he takes a couple more pills so he can sleep for a couple of hours before waking up. This guy will go on business trips and he will spend thirty-five, dollars $40,000 on these precious artworks and he will bring them home and hang them on his wall and then two weeks later he takes them down and puts them in a storage shed and go, goes and buys, out, buys something different to hang up there. Always searching and seeking for fulfillment and yet never finding it. Never finding it. That is as about, a, about as close as you can get to hell on earth. When you hate life and you can find no fulfillment
This fella used to call me about once a month or two, want to talk about God in the middle of the night. He don't do that no more. He don't do it no more. There in Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and 17, Therefore I hated life, because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous unto me. For all is vanity and vexation of spirit. That's what Satan offers. I'm not going to lie to y'all, and and most of y'all know this anyway. Sin's fun. Oh yeah, it's fun. For about that long. Then we got to pay the fiddler. Then we got to pay for what it's done to our lives and to our families' lives. You know, I know a lot of you guys have worked with people that have, have had problems with drugs and different things. Do you know what those people call it when they keep, they keep using more and more of these substances to try to reach that original high that they had? to try to fill that cup up, that emptiness inside them. Do you know what they call that? They call it chasing the dragon. You know why they call it chasing the dragon? Because it can never be caught. It can never be caught. That's just not with drugs. That's with everything that Satan offers. You can't get enough of it to fill that hole. The stark reality is that every human that's ever walked this earth has a hole. A hole in them that only one thing can fill. It can only be filled with one thing. Jesus speaks to the woman at the well there in John chapter 4. Therefore cometh the woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knowest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, then thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which have gave us this well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. Whosoever, folks, that tries to fill themselves, to fill that void with anything else but Christ, will thirst. Will continue to thirst. There in verse 14, Christ says, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. You know... Don't we want 
to be full with something that's going to last. Don't we want our children, our family members, our grandchildren, don't we want them to be filled with Christ? Because the opposite, it, it ends in tragedy. Most of the time that tragedy manifests here on this earth. In broken homes, in divorce, tragedy. Lost kids, lost grandkids that don't know the Lord, don't want to know Him. Do you thirst? John 7 and 37. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow living, rivers of living water. You see, because when a grandparent or a parent passes on that knowledge of Christ and what He did, what He did for all of us, and those children grow up to make the decision to believe, to obey the Gospel, to be washed in the blood of Christ, to be filled with living waters. What a beautiful thing. What a beautiful thing. Please get out your songbooks. I'd like to say that this, this lesson this evening, or this morning, it's not meant to be a beat down. It's not meant to beat down anybody. I'm going to tell you something. This lesson applies to me more than it applies to anybody in here probably. Okay? So if you were stepped on today, I'm not going to apologize for the Word of God. Because the Word of God is always going to work. It's either going to convict and save, or it's going to convict and convict. If you're here this morning, and you have not drank from the, water, the living waters of Christ, there are plenty, plenty of uh, Christians here that will assist you in doing that. There's no better time. Christ is waiting. The Lord takes no pleasure in the destruction of the wicked. No pleasure. He wants everybody to come to Him. You're, you're His creation. If you're here this morning, and you are a member of the body of Christ, and you've let something come between you and God, if you're holding on to something that's keeping you from being fully committed to God, give that up, please. Don't let that take root in your heart. There in John chapter 10 and 10, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. If you're here this morning and you don't have an abundant life, 
filled with peace, joy, a purpose on this earth, and a destiny in heaven, we beg you to come forward and have a seat on the front row as we stand and sing.